Welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. The following review will contain spoilers and may contain strong language. I don't understand. Defense network computers. New. Powerful. Hooked into everything. Trusted to run it all. They say it got smart. A new order of intelligence. Decided our fate in a microsecond. Extermination. It's Judgment Day for the Terminator series as we travel back in time to 1984 and discuss The Terminator. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton and Michael Bean. Directed by James Cameron. Are you sure you have the right person? I'm sure. Come on, do I look like the mother of the future? I mean, am I tough? Organized? I can't even balance my checkbook. Look, Reese, I didn't ask for this honor, and I don't want it. Any of it. Listen and understand. That Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop, ever, until you are dead. Hello and welcome to the Rewire Movie Podcast. First, I'm going to rip the buttons off your blouse one by one. And I'm going to rub my tongue down your neck to your gleaming breasts. And then slowly, slowly pull your jeans off inch by inch. Oh, wait. Sorry, guys. I didn't realize we were recording. It's Kelly from Glasgow. What the hell? It's Devlin from London. That son of a bitch took my pants. <laughs> it's Patrick from London. Hey. Oh, welcome back, guys. Uh, welcome back. Yeah. Uh, I hope you had a, a good Halloween. I did indeed. Oh, yeah. How many? Did you watch Halloween 3 again? Uh, you know what? I didn't. I watched uh, Halloween 2, 4, 5, and 6 instead. Obviously. So you took our advice and skipped 3. It's the best one. Good man. Uh, but, you know, I know. I, you need, you I need know a year it. off. Well,. I didn't need a, a year off, but um, it just absence makes the heart grow fonder. And uh, and we're back, so we're doing a uh, another throwback episode, and this one is my choice, and I've chosen the Terminator from 1984, the original. It was to kind of coincide with the Terminator Dark Fates release, but we uh, we unfortunately had to reschedule, and also. No one went to see Terminator Dark Fate, so... <laughs> yeah. well, my mum and dad did. Oh. Oh, good. well, your mum and dad and me then. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, not enough to, to keep the vultures off them. It's, it's a real blink-and-you'll-miss-it release, that one, isn't it? I assume it's still out now and people are still continuing to not give a shit. No, it is out, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I do want to... I, I want to see it. Um, I am interested, but we'll get there. I think, I think uh, some people have attributed it to... Um, you know, sequelitis and and franchise fatigue, but I'm not mm. sure that's possible when a film hasn't been released for four years. Maybe it's just you know me bringing why I've not been to see it yet. But I think less than just general franchise fatigue. I think it's we are going to discuss 
the 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 whole run of Terminator films a little, and I think without wanting to to give away too much too early, uh, there are well three of them are so fucking dreadful that they've sort of salted the earth. Like I can't really imagine ever getting excited about a Terminator film ever again, having had to watch Terminator Genesis this week. What about an animation? <laughs> <laughs> do you have, do you have one? No, but I'm just looking here at the, the screen times. Like, it's still got four screenings a day at my local cinema, um, which is so you know it's still going on. And my friend um, David Biggins, who I don't know whether you remember him, but he he said he went to see it and he thought it was some good bits, but on the whole, it was quite disappointing. And I feel like it was always in danger when I started seeing these commercials where. Linda Hamilton's introducing the commercial, and I hate trailers like that. And I always get my back up a bit and a bit worried. And James Cameron produced. I'm like, great, but you want James Cameron to direct? It's it's a different thing. <laughs> James Cameron is keeping his hands clean of all of this nonsense. He'll yeah. turn up <laughs> in the in the press, and he'll say, "Oh yeah, this is definitely." a true continuation of my work. You said that about Terminator 3. <laughs> this is a marvellous continuation of the franchise, and it was horse shit. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure he wasn't even around for 4, though. I don't remember him talking about no, Salvation he, he at wasn't. all. No, no, no. No, uh, and, but, no I mean, involvement on... No, yeah, no involvement on Salvation, but he also uh, towed the party line for Genesis as well. Uh, oh, very much like so. You said, Devin, Appearing in commercials to tell everyone that... This is a this is a fantastic rip roaring good time and if I weren't so busy I probably maybe would have definitely thought about making it myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is it and and the the words already out isn't it like he's already dissing himself <clears throat> from uh, from Dark Fate you know saying how they mm-hmm. had creative differences with the story. I think we can all assume that he's had limited uh, involvement in in this. He's the person that people have now kind of uh, proclaimed to be the messiah of this here franchise who can save it uh but um, you know he's probably smart enough to know that there isn't really that much story left to tell once you've well we'll get into it but certainly after judgment day um yeah they end up just kind of going over the same uh, same plot shall we recap the entire series i will give you a plot synopsis for the first one and then i'll go through and we'll not we're going to save our discussion for terminator until after uh, and then I'll do the plot synopsis for Terminator 2. And then we'll go and talk about the, the, the sequels. Yeah, great. The Terminator, 1984. Disguised as a human, a robot assassin known as The Terminator, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, travels back from the year 2029 to 1984 to kill Sarah Connor, played by Linda Hamilton, whose unborn son will lead the fight against the machines. Sent to protect Sarah is Kyle Reese, played by Michael Bean, who explains the coming of Skynet, an artificial intelligence system that will spark a nuclear holocaust. With the virtually unstoppable Terminator in hot pursuit, Sarah and Kyle attempt to escape and protect the future of the human race. The plot of the first film. Number two, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, made in 1991. Set 11 years later after the events of The Terminator, a young John Connor, played by Edwin Furlong, the key to civilization's victory over a future robot uprising, is the target of a shape-shifting T-1000, played by Robert Patrick, a Terminator sent from the future to kill him. Another Terminator, the revamped T-800, 
played by Arnold Schwarzenegger again, has been sent back to protect the boy as John and his mother, once again played by Linda Hamilton, go on the run with the T-800. The trio form an unlikely family unit as they attempt to escape from the clutches of the T-1000. Number two, guys. Pretty much everyone's... Is it fair to say unanimously most people's favourite of the franchise? I would say number two. It's T2. (laughs) Come on. T2 colon Judgment Day. Judgment Day. (laughs) Oh, I thought T2 was Trainspotting 2. So I get confused, Mm. Patrick. So yes, okay. T2, Judgment Day. Um, (laughs) Unanimously everyone's favourite film. Certainly it was the the, the first one that I saw for for a great many years. Like Terminator 2 to me was the Terminator film. The Terminator was some old film that I'd never bothered seeing. I think this was maybe um, a, a reason why all of these sequels that they keep doing tend to reference The Terminator so much less frequently than they do Terminator 2. They're basically rehashing plot points from Terminator 2, not The Terminator. And reason being, like, if you think Terminator, The Terminator as a film, is older than both of you and is the same age as I am. So, I mean... Unless there's, you know, by the time I was, what, seven was when Terminator 2 came out. And seven-year-olds don't really think too hard about going back through, you know, some film that came out the year he was born. So um, I I probably didn't see The Terminator until, shit, like my late teens. I'd agree with you. I think it's people favor um, Judgment Day to the original. Um, I think it's... You could see a lot of reasons for it, mainly I think it's more commercial, I think it's more quotable, I think um you know it, it's bigger and uh brasher than the first one with and all those special effects at the time. I think they were more lauded as computer animated effects at the time in the early nineties that was really quite groundbreaking as opposed mm. to the stop frame that we'll discuss from um and Sam Winston's special effects later on. I also I've been speaking to my dad about the Terminators quite a lot because his perspective is really important for me to talk to you about because he was my in to Terminator. I remember him uh, <laughs> early one morning before I went to school, like, Patrick, get in here, get in here, into the living room, called me in, and he played me the, the opening scene to the Terminator. This is the thing, I don't remember if it was Terminator 2 or what, but it was the war zone, you know, in 2029 in futuristic LA. And it, I remember blowing my mind, but him saying, that's all I can show you. Don't tell mum. It was an adult film and they didn't want me to watch it. But my dad was, this is his favorite film of all time, The Terminator. And he tells me, uh, he told me this great story the other day that he, the way he found it was really interesting. Because at the time in 19, I think he saw it in 1986 where, when I was born. And him and his mates used to go to the video shop. It was the video box um, in Ebbington, in Leicester. And he he says that he just saw this video. He'd never seen it before. He'd been through the others. Nothing he liked. He likes sci-fi. And he saw Arnold Schwarzenegger on the front cover, that iconic kind of image, him, the sunglasses gone up. And he's like, oh, that looks cool. Never heard of it. No advertising. You know, like now we everything's advertised, buses, TV channels galore and everything. He had no idea. Put it, watched it, and said it just blew his mind. He he kept the video. He paid fines for keeping the video because he just went to his mate's house the next day. You've got to watch this. You've got to watch this. Went to his mate's house the next day. You've got to watch this. You've got to watch this. And he went round. He said for a week to all his mates and made them watch it because he was just 
enamored, completely blown away by it. So then with my mum in 91, he dragged her to the cinema. They queued up, went to see it, went straight back in. Like, he just absolutely loves it. And he was my in with this. And Terminator 2 was the, definitely the first one I remember watching. And because uh, I remember being quite, thinking John Connor was so cool when I was younger. But I don't think I watched it till... I don't know, like uh, 12 or 13 years old because they weren't keen on me watching adult films at the time. But mm. um, so, of course, Terminator 2 was the film that I remember the most. I didn't watch Terminator for many years later when I started learning more about film. But um, I could, just to recap, <laughs> sorry, I went off on one. I, I do. That is cool. I do see why you comment that it's people's more popular one. And I think because it's maybe a more accessible uh, blockbuster Hollywood film, in a sense. I think um, it, it's, people would have seen it first, like myself and Devlin. Yeah, I think so. No, I totally agree. And, I, I, and I'm, I am the same. So I saw T2 first, and then I went back to Terminator. And I'll save my story of how I felt going back and watching um, the iteration of the character and uh, so I think the the beauty of, t- of T2 is it's that classic sequel thing, isn't it? You give the audience a little bit of what they expect and you subvert their expectations slightly. And, and the, the genius of T2 is you take what was a villain and make him uh, the hero character, uh, the T800. But I think you absolutely hit on something there, Patrick, because I now look at like T2 Jurassic Park are like the two films that I think of as the modern blockbuster. I actually probably chuck speed in there as well. Yeah. Of like these films that everyone saw, they've they were on they were on Sky like every day, and then they've always been on TV even to this day. And I think Hollywood has been trying to replicate the success of T two, well ever since really. Every single blockbuster film, you want that formula, that alchemy. That, you know, magic in a bottle. How do you replicate it? So, yeah, it's definitely the one that most people go. Back Didn't to. Cameron like his initial idea for Terminator was? Was it just through an image that he had of a robot rising from the flames? And I think that's one of the incredible things that he did. You know, he he saved that to the end for Terminator, but we get it quite early on in Terminator Two with the T one thousand coming out from the um, I don't know what's the chase in the viaduct. And that mind-blowing visual effects at the time from liquid metal into the Robert Patrick, it still stands up for me today. I'm still deeply impressed. And it's a proper money shot, crowd-pleasing wow moment in cinema. Just going back to the some of the mythology around it, and I do love these kind of like Hollywood tales of how things came to be, and it's almost like sliding doors moments. You know, Arnie in the first one was supposed to be Kyle Reese, and then like has a meeting with James Cameron and says, "No, I want to be the Terminator." You know, there's the, all that kind of we good finally stuff. Finally, get an impression. That... It's been how long? <laughs> hey, we've done well to last that long. One of the other things is that he actually had the idea of the liquid metal Terminator for the first one right. but just realized that he didn't he didn't have the technology he didn't have the money to produce that so he kept that idea and one of the things as well that's great about t2 is because we've all mentioned it 
you definitely don't need to see the original. Yeah. You could just go straight into the T2 yeah. and be like, I've got it. I mean, they yeah, they, they fill you in really efficiently. I think um, a lot of the reasons why people love Terminator 2 so much, and maybe we'll talk about it a little more, but it's to do with um, just the way that uh, James Cameron's plots, the structure of his plots, um, they have this way of uh, conveying a lot of information kind of at, he somehow seems to know innately where to um, convey pieces of information that people need at the exact time they need them, but leaving enough kind of plot threads to to, to pick up later on, which um, I guess contrasts with something like Terminator 3, where there is a lot of plot, but it's just plot. Like it just feels like things happen. Some things happen because things have to happen in films because films are usually a series of events that happen over the course of two hours. But (laughs) in terms of the importance of those things and how we as an audience are supposed to feel about them or care or be intrigued by them, it's just absent, right? No, I think you've, I think you've beautifully articulated it and, and also wonderfully uh, allowed me to segue into the plot synopsis for Terminator three, Rise of the Machines, 2003. <laughs> My so new now, movie, Terminator 3, movie. Rise of the Machines. <laughs> Vote for me, governor. Anyway, so now 25. <laughs> governor! He's not <laughs> in the East End. <laughs> right. He's in, he's in All right. California. <laughs> Welcome to California. It's the governor. Come on. I know, I know. Cool. Well, now 25, John Connor, this time played by Nick Stahl, lives off the grid, so there is no way he can be traced by Skynet. Out the shadows of the future steps the TX, played by Christina Loken, who is liquid metal over an endoskeleton, who can now shapeshift, but for some reason is a female. Skynet's most sophisticated killing machine yet. Now Connor's only hope for survival is the Terminator, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger once again, his mysterious former assassin. Together, they must triumph over the technologically superior TX and stop the looming threat of Judgment Day. Sound familiar? You're damn right it does. How, how good does Arnie look at the beginning? He's like, he still looks in hella shape then, doesn't he? Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? He looks amazing yeah, ridiculous. in the opening, uh, opening well, shot. I think she's got a good Terminator. I think she does a good job. The visuals of her arrival sequence where, you know, the, it, it's in the shop window the dolls, and it kind of yeah. melts the, the mannequins and it melts the glass and stuff. It does look cool. It's just, it's just pointless because I think you pointed this out, Gabby, when we were talking about this a while ago, that pretty much the first act for her on screen is to do a cheap gag about breast size. Well, she first takes, she first sees the woman and says, I like your clothes. And then it's the policeman. And I, I'm sorry, but how does Skynet robots know that that's, I don't know. She looks immediately at a giant billboard for Victoria's yeah. Secret. And then oh, she, yeah. and then she, uh, she thinks, well, maybe I'll, I'll have larger breasts. And then this, but then she just kills the cop anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. First they giveth and then they taketh away. Like if you thought mm. that uh, Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines, they're going well. Okay, actually, we'll have a female Terminator, something we haven't seen before, uh, or no, technically we kind of have because uh, the I forgot. Forgive me, I've forgotten the actress's name, but Vasquez, she's in T two and shape shifts into a Ever female. Don't really understand man. the. G- yeah. <laughs> no, have you? But <laughs> the um, <laughs> the whole idea that the 
these killer robots uh, require a gender just is just kind of stupid. It's kind of inherently kind of mm. silly, especially when she can shapeshift <laughs> in, in the film. Indeed, shapeshifts into uh, Claire Danes' boyfriend, but then doesn't hold that form. Like, what is the point? Yeah. Rise of the Machines has one of my least favorite lines of dialogue in any film ever. I remember the first time I was cringing so bad. And Claire Danes is a very good actress, but she can't deliver the line. Just die, you bitch. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> what is it about like so bad like these sort of 12 a rated would be edgy kind of blockbuster films it's like they all I, maybe it's like an aliens thing ever since aliens you now have to have a female character yell the word bitch at some point the worst one was do you remember the ring 2 the the, the oh, american I, remake I of the ring 2 there's a bit at the end where i'm pretty sure naomi watts punches a ghost in the face and says i'm not your mommy you bitch <laughs> <laughs> oh and i was just gonna say one of the things that i think um rise of machines gets horribly wrong it's not just that it feels really derivative of judgment day it's um it's it's tone jonathan mostow the director of rise of machines he's no james cameron but i think in his early career he was seen as a bit of a genre director i remember the film he did with kurt russell breakdown i really really enjoyed it it's a proper b movie you know guy loses wife ends up being this weird plot chase film kind of like jewel kind of like all these um it was a proper b movie and he also did a submarine film it was a u571 which was historically all over the place yeah, I've only seen the last 20 minutes and I remember thinking that it looked so shit that I thought maybe I was watching like a sci-fi channel knockoff until I realized that that was the actual the actual John Bon Jovi. One thing you must do as a director is is manage and balance tone. And the thing that I really take umbrage with with Rise of the Machine is it's littered with what they want to be laugh out loud moments where we're it's almost like a parody. But then at the yeah. same time, right at the beginning we want to we want to give the tx it's her moment so we see her killing people like cold-bloodedly fantastic but then at the same time we're also doing elton john jokes and we're doing talk to the hand and it's like this oh is this is just all I'd, over the place i'd complete like i remembered this the the scene where he walks outside the bar and he puts on the the star-shaped elton john glasses yeah. and i remember that being terrible but what i had completely scrubbed from my mind was the bit before it when the the male stripper is like every gay panic stereotype yeah. of the 1990s and 2000s all combined Wait, turn bitch or something he, he does a <laughs> yeah. bit oh. as well, But I'm saying yeah. the thing about it, it, it's not just the dialogue and the little visual gags like that. I noticed when I was watching it, it's the sound effects. The sound effects mm. are straight from Tom and Jerry. When they're fighting, <laughs> when <laughs> when he's fighting the, the tear so I I I want to defend it on certain levels, but but it, it I love the car chase. I think the car chase is brilliant. And I really like it. It's the best uh, VFX. Yeah. It's very good. And but even when he because there's a great moment when he kicks over the fire truck from the back of the uh, crane 
And even the sound effect on that is like, oh, God, that was a bit obvious. And at the end, when he's fighting the TX in the bathroom of uh, Skynet offices or whatever, listen to the sound effects. They are ham-fisted, just cartoon sound effects. <laughs> they, they are really off-putting. However, the car chase is the best bit of the film, but I really like the ending to Rise of the Machines. I think it does a really good job, and that's where it gets the tone right, and that's how it should have played the film, despite it looking clean and crisp. Yeah, I've sort of checked out by that point. Well, yeah, it's too late, but it is a really good ending. Talking about sound effects, I'm surprised they didn't put the old Three Stooges when Dr. Silverman comes in and goes, yikes! Is that a Terminator? (laughs) 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 It just just runs off. It is, it's dreadful. I I, I found it, like, hard to get through and and boring and shit. And um, I think a, a really unfortunate thing that they do is that there's a really good core concept of a character reading of John Connor there, which is if you think the stuff, especially um, I think it was some of the special edition stuff from Terminator 2, which they dropped from the theatrical edit, which is, uh, do you remember when they're in the weapons bunker and Ed, uh, mm-hmm. Edward Furlong is talking to Arnie about you know his upbringing and being like basically you're, raised you're by like, like gun dad. runners and stuff yeah um yeah so if you think you know this was a, a and he, he flower says like he didn't have a childhood he thought it was normal to just be dragged around from like south american criminal gang to south american criminal gang um so if you think a kid who's grown up like that who didn't have a childhood who was being prepared who was being groomed from like birth to be a guerrilla military leader and then at the end of that film, they actually, as far as they're aware, they they evade the judgment day. So he doesn't have a purpose anymore. Um, there's a really interesting thing to be said for that. I, unfortunately, I just I didn't see it in Terminator Three at all. But it's better than it's better than Salvation. Well, I I I don't know. I I I don't know whether I think I think. I think of the three sequels. Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a spicy hot dog. I I think I think that I found Terminator Salvation the least awful oh, of the three films. That's one spicy meatball. Oh, he's gone back. He's recite. He's he's changing history now. Well, I tell you <laughs> what. Um, let let's get a quick plot synopsis of Terminator Salvation for those that don't remember that one. Back in two thousand nine, Terminator Salvation. Although Judgment Day has in fact occurred, the future for which John Connor now played by. Christian Bale was prepared has been partly altered by the appearance of a stranger named Marcus Wright played by Sam Worthington Connor must determine if Wright has been rescued from the past or sent from the future as the machines prepare for a final battle Connor and Wright delve deep into Skynet's heart uncovering a secret that could lead to the annihilation of mankind it's also directed by Mick G so Go, go on then, Devlin. Your spicy hot dog needs mustard. Right. What are we saying? I, so I watched uh, Terminator 3 for the first time in probably 15 or more years. We used to have... Uh, I didn't buy it, but we used to have Terminator 3 on video at my mum's house. I think my stepbrother bought it. Yeah, um, it's 2003. So... Yeah, so I, I let's so say... You know more years would be 16 years. Uh, well, let's say... I mean, I didn't watch it at the <laughs> cinema. Let's say I watched it a year after it came out and have never seen it since. Okay. Um and and I thought it was terrible. It was a really difficult film to sit through. Mm. Uh I I really didn't enjoy it at all. Uh and then I started watching Terminator Salvation and the things it had going for it were it was because I didn't 
I, I thought the the opening of Terminator 3 was really clumsy and didn't set up anything interesting and it didn't set up any kind of questions for me. I thought um, Salvation is super heavy-handed and like it's got a really self-consciously grim tone to it. And the the Jesus allegories in the visuals are just there from minute one. So it's like, it's dumb. Like it's mm-hmm. a dumb film that mm-hmm. thinks it's being very profound. But the one thing it does have is at, at least you don't know who the Marcus Wright character is. Uh-huh. So you are kind of just leaning in just a little bit because at least it's something new from from a franchise that at this point had felt very tired. It's like, oh, I don't really know what's happening. For maybe half an hour, there's a little bit of intrigue. And then I thought Anton Yelchin was very well cast Me too. As, a, uh, as a young yes. Carl Reese. He captures the manic energy of Bean in the, in the original, I think. Yeah. Quite well. The same wiry eyes and mm. delivery. Could have done without the adorable mute kid, which was straight out of like Mad Max 2 slash Mad Max 3. <laughs> it was, whatever. wasn't it? Well, like, uh, yeah, I don't think we needed that. And, and I think that's the point at which you don't have to get very far into the film before you start seeing like awful studio interference, studio notes, multiple screenwriters, multiple ideas coming in. And then it just it, it gets bogged down. And then it just and that's the point at which it just falls apart. The whole idea of seeing the future war. I've never been interested in it. Yeah. Because what? I've always quite liked the. No, honestly, I've never wanted to see the future that oh, is, sorry. we see no, glimpses of. You mean you, in, you like the flashbacks? In, in the films. Not... Right. I love the flashbacks. I don't, I don't really want to see any more than that because, quite frankly, not only is that terrifying, but you start to get into, well, how do people eat? How do people do? Yeah. You know, you start getting yeah. into the semantics. Is it, is it laser battles literally all the time? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, like and, and the problem with salvation is it ends up trying to <laughs> sort of create this world where there are battles going on and we've got fish terminators and we've got bike terminators. Hell, yeah. Salvation, I do agree, Devlin, though, at least they are venturing into slightly new territory. Like I say, the Frankenstein's monster of it all is somewhat interesting. But they, it just unfortunately the, doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't leads have nowhere. Any sort goes of... nowhere, does it? Yeah. And and the the stupid thing is, the more you start thinking about salvation, the more it just makes no sense in its well, own internal when, when logic. When you get into the exposition of why of them infiltrating John Connor, it, it... like they know that Kyle Reese is John Connor's father, kill Kyle Reese, said. But no, they're not going to do that because they want to capture him to bait John Connor, and then <laughs> Marcus Wright was was planted years before prior as they're playing the long game it's really really it starts getting shaky and one of the things about this entire series is if you start thinking about it too much it's the austin powers thing isn't it it's like oh no i've gone cross-eyed you're like you just want basil to say austin don't worry about it just enjoy <laughs> just yourself. try and enjoy yourself but unfortunately <laughs> just try and enjoy yourself <laughs> but salvation unfortunately <laughs> makes such a point of it that you're like oh this is dreadful like why have terminators got desks and seats all these kind of things this is weird <laughs> very, very weird which then leads us into terminator genesis so we'll just give a quick recap of terminator genesis good luck here's a quick recap it's shit when john connor now played by doughy face jason clark leader of the human resistance against skynet sends carl reese now played by buff awesome jai courtney back to 1984 to protect his mother Sarah, now played by small rubbish Amelia Clark from a Terminator <laughs> assassin, 
An unexpected turn of events creates an altered timeline. Instead of a scared waitress, Sarah is a skilled fighter and has a Terminator Guardian. Where the delete the files have been deleted, so we don't really understand that whole bit. But it's fine. Uh, faced with unlikely allies and dangerous new enemies, resets out on an unexpected new mission to reset the future. They couldn't even retrofit the scene on Griffith Park Observatory with the you know, I, I when I was watching, I'm like, why didn't they just cut around the original material and just? Which I mean, clearly they can do. Yeah. Like they have it all. Yeah. They have all the footage. Like they've shown. Like they have a digital army. Like I mean, I assume it. They do you think it's licensing? They couldn't be asked to to. Maybe it is, but maybe it's why? Licensing. Why did they make all the punks look wrong? Yeah. Like. Yeah. 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 Why, <laughs> why, why is the Bill Paxton one so? The antithesis of a Bill Paxton. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and the like, um the the see, nothing clean right guy. Life. They they gave him a mohawk. Yeah, which he didn't yeah, have. Really. And then Jai Courtney comes along, and he is twice the size of uh, Michael Bean. You know, you know what, you know what's laughable about the Jai Courtney Kyle Reese character is the the way that in so we actually see the, the the scene where John Connor says, "Right, Kyle, you're my man," and I think he says to him, "I think he says like, who amongst you will yes. bestow yeah, this yeah. this important mission?" And Kyle Reese just says, "I'll do it." It's like why? Because I want to. <laughs> and, also, like, what? and also, why didn't um, why didn't Matt Smith just stop him going back in time anyway? Like, oh, why oh, did no, Matt yeah. Smith act sooner and just? Oh, I'll I'll do it now that he's. Got, oh, it just don't make sense. It oh god! No. You know oh, the um the oh, no, oh, no. you know like the opening narration as well, where they 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 have it's Jai Courtney, isn't he? He's droning on in the opening narration. And he's, all, he's yeah, yeah he's, worst guy to have on narration so he's he's doing the whole you know oh this is the thing that's going to happen and blah 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 but like and he's he definitely says 1997 that that's when judgment day is but the the footage that they show is of san francisco blowing up a san francisco which is literally chocked full of toyota prius <laughs> i mean for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> You know, and they just like grind the film to a halt because Amelia Clark wants to deliver a stream of really boring, very noisy exposition of like, <laughs> no, he's the he's the different Terminator. He's I call him Pops. He came back from a different time, and then there was something else, and then another guy came back from another time, and it's just, and they just there's lots of people just yelling like what at each other because it doesn't make sense to yeah. the characters within the film. Hey. I need answers, all right, right now. How'd that liquid metal thing know where to intercept me? Huh? Where'd it come from? And who the hell's a skin job? What the hell is going on? Sorry, we were a little busy with the whole life and death combat thing, and then you attacked Pops. You named it? Hello, Calories. It is nice to meet you. Are you kidding me? I've been trying to teach him to blend in. I know it needs work. It's a Terminator. The only reason it blends in is to kill humans. Pops doesn't kill anyone. A lot of legumes, though. It looks old. I've seen a Terminator old before. The flesh they put on the cyborgs is normal human tissue. It ages. My auditory circuits have not degraded, however. I'm old. Not obsolete. 
think you hurt his feelings. This doesn't have feelings. He saved my life when I... They realise that, which is why, like, oh, listen, here's some Ramones. Carry on. Like, <laughs> just I'm listen to this, in, it's fine. What, what I'm more like, interested in, though, from Gen- uh, uh, Genesis would be... <laughs> The T eight Arnie's T eight hundred. What was he doing for thirty years? <laughs> like just be him living well, his life. Only got a job in construction. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, Patrick. Yeah, no, exactly. Douglas Clay. No. <laughs> Listening to Dolly. You got Parton. the wrong guy, Harry. What did I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you blabbed, Quaid. You blabbed about Mars. <laughs> That's what they should have done. But no, um, you were uh, you asked the question, Patrick. Uh, Dark Fate kind of tackles the what would a Terminator do? <laughs> oh, oh, in a log cabin, so it? if you want to, if you want to, I'm not going to get into. We're not going to talk about Dark Fate because it's out now, and I don't want to spoil anything about the film. But they they tackle what a Terminator might get up to if he's got some time in his hands. So <laughs> you do get that that question asked. <laughs> well, yeah, because it, it, it comes yeah. up at the, at the end of Genesis where the, the reason they're allowed to run around the building unfettered is that he got a job building it and then he somehow oh. tapped in so that oh. Amelia Clark's handprint, which he must oh. have had on file, <laughs> allows her access oh. to everything. What would be better is if it was like Terminator, you know Terminator 2 when he stood guard um, when, when they've gone south? And he's got the shotgun on his shoulder. Yeah, he doesn't sleep. You know, it's yeah. established yeah. that boom. He just it would just there. be that. <laughs> the, he just stands there. Then the <laughs> 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 it is time. <laughs> the, the best thing about Genesis, I went with my dad because, of course, he's the Terminator fan. And this is the best thing about it that we, we enjoy it the most. Actually, I think he, he likes it quite a bit. But anyway, um, when we were queuing up for it at the Cine Deluxe in Leicester, there's a piano there in the foyer, and someone was playing the Terminator softcore porn sex <laughs> of the theme tune while we were waiting to go in the film and then finally they opened the barrier so we, everyone take their seats and he finished with the piano with and that was my best memory of seeing that film the first time and one of the things as well and this isn't to sort of lift james cameron further up the pedestal than than he probably deserves but there's just a different caliber of filmmaker involved so if you've got james cameron do one and two and they are undeniably successful box office wise but also critically then you bring in jonathan mostow for number three and you go jonathan mostow who then for four you get mick g and then for five you know i love some of the game of thrones episodes alan taylor he's a tv director it's just like why are you bringing in these people that have clearly got no real passion for the for the actual the content itself it's just these run of the mill workmen guys who were there just to just to make just just make the film on on time make sure it doesn't go over budget and and don't ask any questions just shoot the thing that's on the page his second film and he's like oh for two now because his first film was like the second thor movie which most people would say would be like the least of the marvel films but that would oh, well, that would make yeah. sense because it's just that was very much when it's like a just churn them out. You've got a release date and a script. Just make it, and and it was terrible. But I mean, I don't know what they saw in that that would have made them think that he would be a good fit for this Terminator Genesis film because it's mm. there's just so many terrible terrible choices. Why with Yeah, why the fuck does Kyle Kyle yeah. Reese is out there cracking jokes like? 
He grew up in a <laughs> nuclear robot wasteland nightmare scape. The fuck does he know what a joke is? Actually, oh God, I'm just getting angrier. Um, <laughs> when, they, when they go into the future and they land on the freeway, they get run over and barely yeah. a scratch. Yeah. What the fuck's that about? Oh, yeah, no, I, I was expecting the first time I saw it that he would be a Terminator because he got hit Big by time, a car right? naked. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know whether it's just because he's so buff he was able to repel the bonnet, but it was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, I just, mean, it's no. not edited. like It's, it's a big hit. And uh, Come on. Anyway, guys, that's that's enough of the recap. Yeah. We've kind of... Um, let's just get it all out. We've got it all out. But what we are going to do is we, we talk about the original. We may refer back to the sequel. So it was nice to get a bit I of I think we're going to refer to Judgment Day a bit more than the others, maybe. The Terminator. Uh, I will quickly tell you uh, when I first saw it. Uh, we've already mentioned that I saw the uh, T2 first. And the reason why it's so vivid in my memory is that Arnie is such a hero in T2. You know, I know now why uh, you oh, cry. God. And I cried like, yeah. like an absolute... <laughs> I was sobbing at the end of T2. And, God, you, yeah. and so what was really interesting as as a kid or as a teenager, because was, I was in my teens when I got went back to... to go well let's give this original a watch and uh and it was like it was jarring i was like whoa what's going on my hero he's uh he's this villain and it's testament to him i know he gets a lot of uh he gets a lot of shit thrown at him for being a not very good actor but his i think his physical performance in the terminator is awesome he's like really threatening he sells the idea that he's this robot with human flesh over him and uh, and yeah, so I, I found it actually scarier when I first watched the Terminator. The reason why I picked it is because I have always seen this as a horror film, and it's not just because of all the slasher inflections, but it's just because he is this propulsive killing machine that is out to get you, and he sells it hard. And I yeah, I was terrified when I first saw the Terminator. They re-released Terminator in the cinema a few years ago. I can't remember. I'm trying to work out what anniversary it was. But I, I went with Melissa at the time, and we, I was like, you've got to see this at the cinema. And it was great. It was awesome to see it at the cinema. Cause, um, and actually, since then, I think the last time I saw it was when I went with you for the, uh, the Arnie or Nida, the Bridge Charles. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was great seeing it with her because then we, the next day we watched Judgment Day on the TV, and she had no idea. So with the reveal in the corridor with the roses, she audibly gasped and didn't realise he was a good guy. And it was fucking Holy awesome shit. to see that reaction. Didn't know because, of course, yeah. hasn't seen a trailer, hasn't really spoke about it with anyone apart from me, and I kept it all from her. So watching Terminator, Arnie's the bad guy. And, of course, Robert Patrick's quite aggressive, but she's still logged in to Arnie being the bad guy. And when it was really it was good, blew her mind. It was brilliant. So I never had that because I don't know why. I just always knew that Arnie yeah, was the good too. guy in T2. Yeah. I don't know whether that was just I think they put, I, maybe the bad to the I bone I think they song. put it out there, unfortunately. I think like in the kind of, you know, the press and the media stuff for it, I don't think anyone made any great pains to hide the fact that, you know, on this it's one, a shame, they, isn't it? they make him like the, the hero of the piece, which is, yeah, it's it's because um, if you can imagine like, Especially because at the time it was like 91. So you'd get word of mouth, but you would still, you know, information wasn't quite so instantaneously disseminated. You know, mm-hmm. you could keep a film spoiler free mm-hmm. for a bit, at least. I mean, yeah. 
So um, yeah, it's kind of cool then that you actually got to see somebody, you know, fall oh for yeah, it was it. brilliant, so good. Because I always wondered was, whether it, it actually whether it actually plays. Because I mean, I watched uh, Terminator Two again recently, as we all did, and um, I guess maybe it's just that it's it's an imprint that you know Robert Patrick just has that face when he comes in on Terminator Two. He that's that's a nice bike. Those kind of lines. He's very aggressive when he starts. Mm. Very straight faced and. You can see he's hell bent, yeah. and I think uh, the T800 is more. I'm not casual about it, but I he could have been more brutal in the the pool bar, couldn't he? He doesn't quite, yeah, brutally murder anyone. You know, he he wounds the guy in the shoulder, so we know he just I he does chuck that guy onto the burger grill. He does, but he doesn't. You know, like in Terminator One, he rips out yeah. that guy's. Heart, essentially, and then he just well, he just, just shoots complete... people. Like he literally is confronted yeah. with people, and yeah. it's not that he's like trying to find out. So he just uh, like he he, yeah. he bursts through the first Sarah Connor's door and just unloads an entire clip on oh. her. And and here mm-hmm. it's different, but obviously played out okay. You know, it's you got that impression yeah. from the first film. If you watch it back to back like that, you don't know anything. I think it's a real uh, rug from under your feet moment. It's good. Hmm. Oh it, yeah, it, it massively is. And uh, one of the things that I um, I really enjoy going back to the original is um, I just love how kind of down and dirty it is. I, I, I guess that's one of the reasons why I think I, I listen. I love T two, and I'm not going to be a contrarian and be like Terminator is better, but because I don't think it is. I think Terminator two is the way I see it is if you've if anyone's ever seen the Evil Dead series, it's like Evil Dead is the the gritty indie kind of listen. We're just going to make a film, and we're going to you know we've got a we've got limited budget, and we're right. just going to do the best we can. And Evil Dead Two is right. I'm going to make the same film again, but I've got a little bit more money. I've got a little bit more cachet in the bank with the studio, and I can kind of do what I want with it, and maybe make the film that I probably would have made ten years prior. Yeah. And that's kind of how I always see T Two. Is that it's Cameron saying, right? I'm going to do what I wish I could have done when I had the money, and now I'm James Cameron, <laughs> you know, a lauded filmmaker. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the biggest film in the world, and that's kind of always been his thing, doesn't it? You know, he then goes on and does True Lies, which is essentially like a Bond mm. film, but I'm going to make a Bond film, but it's not a Bond film. And then I'm going to do Titanic, and I'm going to make this ridiculously expensive film. I'm going to build half a ship. Everyone's going to tell me that it's. Um, it's a big mistake and it's going to flop and you're damn right. I'm going to make all the money in the world and it's going to be the biggest success. That's kind of always been his thing, hasn't it? So Terminator one, there's just something about the, the griminess, like even watching it in 4k on a 4k television. I don't know if it actually makes it better. I don't know whether watching it on a 35 mil print is probably the way. I, th- I think like it say. is. When we saw it, I think it the is Prince Charles. Cause uh... Yeah, because the Prince Charles, I did not see that big old cock wangling around <laughs> on, Griffith Park, <laughs> on Griffith Park Observatory. But when you get to high definition, oh, oh it's there. <laughs> <laughs> it slaps off his I knee. You didn't kill him with it. Which is weird because you would have thought weapon. that like he's just, you know, flesh covering metal, which means that like, did he have a metal bone? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. 
Well, you know what? Um, you know, in the in the last episode in American Pie, I was saying how we're not really we're not redressing the balance between boobs and dick. And well, hey, James Cameron <laughs> once again being the the pro feminist that he is was ahead of the curve. Like Arnie, we want to see some dick. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, okay. You're damn right, you uh, see it in the first yeah, Terminator. <laughs> okay, here comes out my schlong. <laughs> One of the things that I really like is. The simplicity of it, but also the way that they both enter. So you have this compare and contrast between the Terminator and Kyle Reese. And the way that that Cameron stacks the deck against Kyle Reese is it's just genius. Like Arnie's introduction when he's naked, his big dick swinging around. (laughs) He he looks over LA and it's, it's almost like King Kong or Godzilla just looking over the city. It's a ridiculous shape. And he's also... He's huge. Like he is so big in the first Terminator. I think we forget like how big he was in the eighties to how he then kind of slims down. Because even in Predator, he's massive. But he properly slimmed down for T two. Like he's he's still Mm. huge, but he's Yeah. I mean at at this point he's still transitioning out of being like a professional bodybuilder. So And so comfortable with running on camera because he couldn't run before. Yeah. His thighs were too big. He couldn't, and his dick was too big. He couldn't run. <laughs> no, he's never been able to run. Though he always looks like he's like got a poo in his pants. Oh, so many he's muscles! Just carrying so much weight. That's the that's the irony of uh, of the running man. It's like, yeah, but Ollie can't run. That's like the <laughs> but when he runs, though, really quite slow. It's a supreme effort. You can see his arms flailing. It was so good. <laughs> But I'm glad you brought up the compare and contrast uh, because obviously we just talked about the difference between Terminator 1 to Terminator 2. Sorry, the Terminator to Terminator 2 uh, and not being sure who was the good guy or the bad guy. But did, did you get that from this? Because that, that's what Cameron's setting up, isn't it? Like, yeah. There's this machine who comfortably lands on his knee, superhero landing, and then murders someone, rips his heart out. Um, you know, And it's that... Um, Monotonous robotic delivery. Your clothes, give them to me now. Carl Reese is, you know, he's struggling. He's struggling to breathe. He's yeah. disorientated. Well, he's also visibly scarred, and like his physicality, yeah, yeah. he's like he's he's scrawny and wiry, and yeah. So I think I think we know who the good guy and the bad guy is, right? Yeah, the sort of street level filming that they do, where is it, it? You know, they really are just shooting on location. You just you go to a place. Yeah. You, you can tell yeah. like there's such a kind of reality to it that. After he steals that homeless man's trousers, son of a bitch took my pants, and he sets off running. <laughs> like I was so worried for his feet the whole time. All I could think was like, yeah, it's horrible, "Oh God, it? what's he going to step on?" Yeah, but then we get a bit of product placement, don't we? When he gets the Nikes on he and does. does the Velcro, mm. that's got to be product placement, right? I think that we're probably sort of. I would say we're slightly in the days, and also in the kind of budget range of before when they were doing big product placements they probably just did it because you know they wanted to kind of set the era i guess like okay but what we do get as well at the beginning that i love is the uh is the score setting the tone as well he talks about not being able to set the tone uh in um rise of the machines but here we we know exactly what we're in for we're into sci-fi it's gritty it's dirty it's at night and it's uh, yeah, I, th- I think it does feel like a chase movie straight away, like a sort yeah. of thing, because... There's there's some really great kind of, uh, yeah, like synth moments where it's, you know, you've got that kind of very... Yeah, um, the so sequence good. of stuff, but um, 
there are other moments, especially the bit in like the the little glimpse we get of the future war. The the score just goes for basically like mm. almost like ambient textures, like ambient synth mm. notes, just sort of washing over each other. Um, which I don't know. It, it, I don't know whether this was at the time quite revolutionary or whether this was just something that was happening a lot. I guess you've got stuff like Near Dark, which was what, a couple of years after this, that was also doing a lot of synthesized stuff. But it was um, it was very cool to to have like it was very cool to have like uh, something kind of yeah just different. And I'd imagine that that was probably placed upon it by the budget restraints. But much yeah. like a John Carpenter type thing, they made it a virtue. It's the John Carpenter of it all, isn't it? Like he he looms large over this film, and I think Cameron's actually admitted in interviews that he was very heavily influenced by John Carpenter's films. Uh, there's scenes later on that remind me of Assault on Precinct 13 mm. uh, in the cop uh, the cop assault, uh, and also the score. It's a bit of a cliche to say it's a character, but it does actually help. I and mean, one of the things is this is still early Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's not he's He's done the Conan films at this point, hasn't he? But he's not a he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger as we know or knew and loved him as this huge superstar at this point. He's the star of this film. No, in fact, there was a really great article a while ago about how at the time he was him and Sylvester Stallone's relationship were he, he was really jealous of Stallone and Arnie quote took on this little movie from James Cameron the terminator and after that him and sylvester stallone kind of did a uh, a pivot and arnie rose yeah. and sly struggled mm, in the late yeah. 80s. and 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 the score helps arnold i think in his performance because it's just it's it's undercurrent isn't it it's just there constantly and it's a propulsive sound it's like doo -doo 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 -doo. well he has his own signature doesn't he the tier entry he has um... oh just that kind of metallic clanging sound which they really amp yeah, up in the dun, second dun, dun, one. Yeah, it's really good. It's really ominous. And it, it, it's that stalker horror tone that you were talking about, Gally, that why you, I think why you saw it as a you know, scary film. It's well, for, for the first 45 minutes, it is a horror film, is it not? The stalker element's right there, right? Yeah. The, the way that the Terminator, he is, I think uh, Carl Reese yeah. uh, describes him as being systematic. And it is cold-blooded. And that's one of the things that I love about the first one is that not only is it down and dirty, but the Terminator, he... Very few glimpses of any kind of personality. He just goes in and he kills these... And let's, yeah. not, let's not shy away from it. He kills these women, mainly. Obviously, we do um, see Slider yeah. get, get it later. But, we, you know, it's mainly women and it's brutal. Brutal. Basically a horror film. And, and Linda Hamilton's character, Sarah Connor... It's, yeah. it's the, the only time... Yeah, she's a screen queen, right? But it's, just, it's, it's the only time in the entire Terminator series that a Terminator acts in a way that you could define as being a Terminator, which is that he tracks down, he kicks a door through, he empties a, an entire uh, gun clip into somebody, and then he moves on systematically to the next victim. Every other time well, he's, in... like, you see a Terminator in a fight, especially when you get into the, the later sequels. I think you mentioned it, Patrick, um, earlier when we were having a little chat about how the resurrected Arnie Terminator, or maybe it's just a robot Terminator, I can't remember, Terminator Salvation, where John Connor is having a big fight in an industrial space because oh, all these yeah. films have to end yeah. in a big fight in an industrial space. He throws him into the wall. Yeah, it's just chucking him around. It's like we've... It's stupid. 
Because we know that a Terminator can rip a heart out, and that's just to get some clothes. You know, uh, it's silly. However, I will say, in Rise of the Machines, the uh, TX does echo. That's true, yeah. To, 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 to start with, she does, when she goes through the... Catherine and his kids as well. Yeah, just, just like uh, teenagers. Yeah, yeah, just the guy at the window and just shoots in broad daylight and dries off. Mm. That's Terminator, you know, at its coldest. But I know... Mm. But this God, the stuff in Salvation is unforgivable. When we're saying there, like systematically, the reason why he obviously knows which Sarah Connors he's going to go and kill is that he just looks in a phone book, in a, in a phone book, which both he and Kari's do. Which is, um, I think that scene, which probably looks really quaint now, but obviously at the time it's just it, it totally fits. It's a it's a completely serviceable plot point. I think that's a big reason why all of these kind of later sequels have a tendency towards just flat-out failure, is they don't take into account that the concept was created in a largely analog offline world. So the idea of a, a military intelligence gaining sentience and destroying half of the world's population with nuclear weapons and then trying to defeat its enemies by sending like one single robot back in time at a time it's the the concept doesn't hold any weight anymore because they tried it with genesis to try and make it into a fucking phone app or whatever but they never actually got to grips with what the, any of the um the ramifications of that story decision were yeah they just said oh people like people have phone apps now well, don't well they? in the terminator um, we see how important the answering machine is you know, yeah. even down to uh, a domestic issue where Sarah Connor's date has been cancelled that night, thus you know putting her in a new direction. And it's right now that's a, it, yeah. I I think the answering machine is really important in the film, and it shows you a time and place and exactly what you've been saying, Dev. One of the things that is genius about the original to the sequel is the way that not only the Terminator character is subverted from villain to hero, but the way that Cameron goes from closed loop predestination to there is no fate, but what we make for ourselves. And in the original film, there are several moments that you can key in on and say, this is predestination. And that answer machine is one of them. Mm. So there are numerous, there's numerous things that happen in the film that, that if you would believe in predestination or a closed loop, or this is how, paradoxal timelines and again oh my oh no i've gone cross-eyed but if you stick with me the idea being that for example when sarah connor uh she's there's a there's a moment in the techno club if she doesn't knock over the glass of water which she did previously because we've seen that she's clumsy the terminator sees her she's dead that's one that's one uh one particular moment and Cameron's mm. he's really clever he he drops these moments in there's a bit right at the climax where she turns on the machine that will then kill the terminator or destroy it sorry not kill um because Kyle Reese is starting all the different machines in the factory and she is the one that presses the button for the compressor so little things like that that they're subtle mm. i mean Cameron's not normally known for for being subtle, but they're they're in there. If you rewatch the film several times, they're like Easter eggs where you can go, oh, and it kind of feeds into the whole idea that the one thing that I love about the first one is that even though there are plot holes and people could pick apart it, 
it does work as a kind of closed loop. Now, this is always going to happen. He was always going to come back. They were always going to have sex. And and then that's how John Connor gets born. And it's really what... good storytelling. Isn't it? Mm. I was just going to say that, you know, at the end, like, spoilers, she <laughs> drives off into a into a fucking storm. And, you know, it, it's, yeah, you're right. She drives off into into the future, which is not an unknown future. She knows exactly where it's going. It's mirrored in, in Terminator 2. When, There's a storm you know, coming. Yeah, but now yeah. they're gonna now they're driving down a dark highway at night and you don't know what's coming next. Whereas in the first film, she's driving scene. off down the highway, she knows exactly what she's driving into, which is Aviano <laughs> Tormente. <laughs> he's like he's managed to wove like a weave a like modern sci-fi horror film, and he's somehow chucked in a bit of a kind of modern parable. You know, John Connor. I mean, don't be wrong. His name's James Cameron. He, he, he's, he's got a complex, but it's Jesus Christ, right? I mean, it's pretty bloody obvious, yeah. but that's the whole idea. I really do. I think that's what I, I always come back to the first one and say, yes, this one really does work because forget about all the time travel nonsense, parallel timeline stuff. Carl Reese says it. It's only me and him. Skynet had the files. They were destroyed before the war. They know only her name and the city and that is it and it works as as that that central conceit and you said it before devlin how you then update that and modernize it with all the technological advances that have now come since 1984 they never make sense it just ends up being goofy because they keep doing the same same shit over and over and they over keep again sending terminators like, they wouldn't send machines yeah. to kill people they would send a just they would It'd be a virus or a you know it wouldn't it'd be biological why would you send a endoskeleton to kill someone there's no need now you can kill someone by have they not seen sandra bullock's the net you can just kill them by you know confusing the computer on a plane <laughs> <laughs> sending them the wrong pizza from pizzas.com let's talk about stan winston because this is this is certainly something i i just spoke about um the flashbacks to the to the war zone of the future and what really blew my mind with all this film is the stan winston stuff uh we you know we've spoken about practical effects in the past in some of our reviews like in um monster squad actually but in here i just i just think there's something else that rear projection that we mentioned all works i love just a very quick thing i don't know whether you agree with this but the um the futuristic airships and the guns and stuff. Did you guys ever watch Space Precinct, the Jerry Anderson TV show? Yeah. <laughs> no, I never saw it. Oh, man. You, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Jerry Anderson. And for some reason last night, something clicked. I'm like, wow, I wonder if Cameron watched Jerry Anderson when he was, when he was growing up. Space Precinct is after the Terminator. And I think it, it may even take something from it. But it was a great little TV series. And it reminded me of the practical effects of that with the spacecraft. With Stan Winston uh, here, I love I love all of the futuristic stuff. But very, I've, I've got a book here I'm going to read from very quickly. It's called Story of the Scene by Roger Clark. And it's little inside scoops on famous moments in films. And actually, it's about the police station scene. But one of the really interesting things is because, you know, his vision, um, uh, the Terminator's vision, the red stuff, it's, this is great. 
it's his computer feed is created by Stan Winston and Fantasy Two Film Effects, assisted him on his killing spree. So the graphics in his eyes are actually the assembly code for the Apple II operation system. So essentially, the Terminator is a big Apple computer, which I thought was oh. really interesting. Just to take us to that fantastic scene where he performs surgery on his own eye, the Terminator, and his arm. I, I'm still really super impressed by all of it. Whereas now, of course, you would get it would be a VFX, it'd be computer animated, and it would be uh, well an enhancement on Arnie's face if they did it now. But I I do quite like the 35 mil. You said it earlier, the the gritty, dirty looking film. And when he's in that room, when he's pulling the things in his arm to uh, get the fingers to react, and you're seeing the insides of him work, and then there's that profile shot of Arnie pulling an eye out. And there's a mm. bead of sweat that goes down his nose. I just think, I think it all works really well. It's wincing. You get the, people pick it apart, I think, and look at when we get the face on shot of Arnie with the eyeball missing and it's the red eye in, it, you can tell. Yeah, it's, it's a bit, it's uh, a little bit jerky. It's a very obvious anim- animatronic. But I think it kind of works to the, the strangeness and the the kind of the creepiness of the character. I'm so into the film at this point as well. I just don't care. I just think I still yeah. think it looks great. One of the other things I'm going to lay at Arnie's table is he is the best. He is probably the best special effect in the film. But the fact is, he's this big, tall Australian oak of a man. Australian. Austrian. <laughs> Whoops. Well, good day, <laughs> mate. Let's get on the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would have been a... We'd have had a whole different actor then, wouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, we really would have done. Oh, oh. Anyway, sorry about that. Little, little little slip of the tongue there. Australian oak. I have a table made of Australian oak. Yeah. Oh, dear. There you go. Made a fool of myself. <laughs> completely undercut my point. He is not normal. You know, he's certainly not someone you would ever seen on yeah. screen before. Big, large, yeah. lumbering. His accent kind of, again, feeds into this robot speaking. Because it doesn't really make sense that this robot would have an Austrian accent, but it all works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know when they say, like, oh, the, the character you were born to play? Well, honestly, I don't think this film would have worked with anyone else as the Terminator because, quite frankly, it's quite a schlocky sort of derivative uh, outside of the time travel aspect of it, which we'll not get into the uh, lawsuits against Cameron from uh, the Outer Limits writer and all that kind of stuff. It was, uh, yeah, Harlan, Harlan Ellison believes that he uh, came up with a lot of the concepts. Yeah, I prefer oh. to think of this as innovation rather than imitation. The idea of this, like, robot machine and the way that Arnie plays it, he is so, he's great because you can believe that this is a walk-in, that this is a machine. And, and the thing that is really impressive is in the first, like, before you get to those amazing effects of Stan Winston's, the only, the only thing that we know that he's a machine is because Carl Reese tells us he is. But outside of that, yeah, it's all yeah, performance, yeah. right? It's all performance. And then that is the stuff where mm-hmm. yeah. Cameron's held back and now he's about to reveal, listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not give you the, the goods. You're gonna see that he's a machine underneath and, and it's also a way of Well you get you get his POV, don't you, and it matches the clothes size. Yeah, but that but, but if but if he'd just done the POV, then you would have just you would have been like, That's a bit cheap. Like, come on, show uh-huh. us that he's a machine. And you're right, Stan Winston yeah. has to sell that moment. And I think he does. And just on his performance as well, I think it's one of my favourite scenes is when he's he goes to the gun shop right there in the beginning. 
I, I just love the way he reels, you know, your guns. <laughs> Uzi 9mm. Anything else? Phased plasma rifle in the 40 watt range. Hey, just what you see, pal. The Uzi 9mm. You know your weapons, buddy. Any one of these is ideal for home defense. So, uh, which will it be? All. I'm going close early today. There's a 15 day wait on the handguns, but the rifles you can take right now. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, through with a 40 watt range whoa pal just what you see here it's all really great and um he's he's another actor who i really like you know what i've just realized as, as we as we're talking and i i wonder if this is i mean unfortunately it's kind of uh, a sad indictment of the man's career but we've not really talked about michael bean as kyle reese and yeah uh, and i wanted to ask you the question like what do you think of him in this and what do we think happened to him in his career? Because he, he was James Cameron's kind of go-to guy. He's in this, he's in Aliens, he's in The Abyss. And then he sort of just kind of disappears. Well, actually, you haven't mentioned my favorite Michael Bean performance, which is uh, Tombstone, Johnny Ringo. I, I love him in that film. But he was being set up as the next kind of action guy and i did have a little theory on it and one of the and it kind of feeds into my next question about linda hamilton and the sarah connor of it all but i wonder if it's because he's so associated with james cameron and he always ends up kind of sliding into the secondary role so in this film he's he's our kind of protagonist for you know for the majority of the film and then during the moment when sarah Connor's going to sort of take action and and finally understand her role in the future. She's the one who's going to take the lead. And he obviously, spoilers, unceremoniously gets killed. And it kind of happens in Aliens as well. He doesn't get killed in Aliens, but he starts off as Hicks, who's one of the corporals, and then takes a backseat to Sigourney Weaver's Ellen Ripley, both written and directed by James Cameron. So I do wonder if it's it's maybe that or... I mean, what did you think of him in the film? Well, I think is uh, the sort of the the weird nervy energy that he brings to it is kind of perfect. Like we were saying that um, where Jai Courtney is completely unbelievable. Smug as fuck. Yeah, like he's you know he's walking out of scenes, he's making gags about it. Like I remember, isn't there one point where he just says something like, uh, "I can't believe I signed up for this shit." That's like, oh fuck off. Whereas, uh, so I mean, like my like uh, a, a character like a Carl Reese shouldn't be making. Yeah. jokes and it's difficult to pull off a role like that whereby you have to be you know kind of frenetic and wired and and, and not at all humorous uh and to still come off as you know a likable protagonist because i mean he also has to pull off a romantic subplot well um, well i think that's his best scene and it's the chat up line to end all chat up lines isn't it <laughs> uh i travel across time for you sarah and, mm. you know, she's smitten thereafter. But he really sells that whole monologue there, that where he's from and how in love with her he is just from a photograph. And, I, I the, you know, oh, just the Jai Courtney thing really bugs me because it undoes everything that Michael Bean did here, him saying that he had a chance to meet the legend, Sarah Connor, and you completely believe him. And mm. he has a little bit, he has that innocence about him and that star- starstruck element but he's on a mission and you can tell he's got that scared of failure performance about him he's got that air i think michael bean delivers really well in the film 
Um, I don't know. I don't know whether you agree, Gally. You, you asked the question. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly disagree on his best scene. I think his best scene is uh, when he's being interrogated yeah. by the cops. I didn't build a fucking thing. Okay, okay. But this cyborg, if it's metal, surrounded by living tissue. All oh, right. This is great stuff. I could make a career out of this guy. You see how clever this part is? How it doesn't require a shred of proof? And most paranoid delusions are intricate, but this is brilliant. Why were the other two women killed? Most of the records were lost in the war. Skynet knew almost nothing about Connor's mother. Her full name, where she lived, they just knew the city. The Terminator was just being systematic. Uh-huh. Well, let's go back to one other Look, thing. Look, you have heard enough! I have answered your question. Now I have to see Sarah Connor. I'm afraid that's not up to me. Then why am I talking to you? Because I Who is an authority it. here? Please, Shut please. up! You still don't get it, do you? He'll find her. That's what he does. That's all he does. You can't stop him. He'll wait for you, reach down her throat, and pull her fucking heart out. Duck. Let, let go of me. One of the one of the really strong points of the film, and it's the same in T two, but I think it's it's actually done better in this one, is the delivery and you mentioned it before, Devlin, about Cameron being able to uh he just seems to inherently understand when an audience needs some exposition to then further the story and not leave us behind. And in this one, the way that they deliver the backstory or forward story, however you want to see it, about the future and how it's all gonna play out. Michael Bean is the one who has to deliver all that, but it's always done on the chase. It's always done on the run. And then the moment when we have a bit, when, when we have a little bit of um, a breathing space, when they're in the police station, they've been caught. I think he nails that. It's, um, it's also a really smart choice of um, Cameron's to, he cuts that scene in half. So you have the, the first half of that scene where we as an audience are in the room with them. We're watching him be interviewed uh when we're hearing the first half of that exposition and then he brings us back out and shows us the second part on the videotape so that we can get the other audiences uh, the other characters response to it mm-hmm. as like a surrogate audience i just thought that's it's it's those kind of little choices mm-hmm. that really elevate this above because mm-hmm. if you think this when it came out the the budget like we said it's a roger corman movie so i mean it's it's, it's not something that's going to be uh naturally considered as being particularly highbrow it does sort of sit and as as much as we love the kind of effect in the future world, it still looks like robot jocks or something. Like it looks like uh Yeah, no, it does. It's, it's called The Terminator. We yeah. now don't laugh at it and go, Well no, the Terminator is a great film, but that title's just stupid. It's just stupid, isn't it? It's yeah. just it's a, a, you're a robot gets within to kill someone. within a B movie. Like it should it should be trash. It's elevated by the, the craftsmanship that they put into it. Well, when you're saying about the exposition, the first bit of exposition we really get is him explaining to Sarah where he's from during a car chase. It's, mm. You know, it's, it's really exciting, really plot-driven stuff that is very arresting and exciting on the eye, really. They put Dr. Silverman in there, and he is, he is us, isn't he? He's the one who's questioning this entire absurdity of the plot. He's like, oh. You know, this is this is great stuff. This is great stuff. Like I could make a fortune off this guy because mm. there doesn't need a shred and of talking evidence. about. And um, it's like, yes. yeah, how like it's a it's a completely closed loop conspiracy, which is uh, the the best type the best type of uh, uh, 
invented reality is one that requires no proof can i go back to one particular character that i love and that definitely cements this as at least for one half of the film a horror film ginger ginger is wedded to her walkman even during sexy time which i just thought was the most, most ridiculous thing when she's having sex with slider and it but it, it plays like a friday the 13th film right it's that really creepy low angle shot that follows her into the kitchen that's very stalker yeah mm. and then, then the way the terminator comes in it's a home invasion isn't it and we've already mentioned it before about uh sort of the whole fatanistic idea of the film the answering machine goes off if that answer machine doesn't go the terminator does he think that he's completed his mission? Because he doesn't know what Sarah Connor looks like. Um, well, he did still, like, he was still looking It was looking around. for proof, wasn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. then he finds her ID card, and then he's got the photo. Fo- then he knows what her face is. And like, the home invasion, is it's all scary stuff. The, the killing of the other two Sarah Connors, and the, just the relentlessness, it's, it's, good. It's, it's really, really ramping up and leading, isn't it? All the paths lead to Technoir. I mean, not only is it a great song, it reminded me of our time in Leeds when we used to go to Fab Calf, even though it's nothing like Fab Calf, but it no, kind of just reminded me of I love, I love the uh... fashion as well. There's piano like ties, there's gloves, mm. there's mullets, there's all sorts going on. It's great. Every single, every single one of those people has my entire move set as a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> if you combine the entire tw- techno... That's why hey, I tell you what, though, 1984, $4.50 to get in there seems quite steep. Why, what are you going to do with that 50 cents? Why isn't it just five? I'll tell you what, though, Patrick, it must be good because even the lieutenant knows where it is. It's on <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he knows where Technoir is. I know where it is. <laughs> he just really loves synth pop. But I, I love the way that the Terminator comes in, you know, cracks that guy's uh, hand. And then, the, again, Arnie does such a great job of stalking, and we go into this slow-mo, and the music slows down. Yeah. But there's that lovely lensy shot on um, Reese mm. as well across the bar that shits her up. Well, and you said it, Patrick, didn't you? That they, he's still playing with the idea that we don't know that Reese is yeah, he's actually know. a good guy at this point. I mean, he's been stealing Hobo's trousers. <laughs> we'll get to those trousers because he wears them for the all of the film, covered but, in paint. Yeah, we don't know that. Yeah, <laughs> well, paint and pish, I would suggest. <laughs> <laughs> but the way that, that it just like kicks in to action, the Terminator. If he wasn't so bloody efficient, i.e. he wants to get up close and personal when he makes his kill, mm. then he probably could have shot her yeah. when he's reloading, Wait. but he has, to, he has to get right up to her and then take the shot. I do like some of the ways he shoots the Uzi 9mm, though, just spraying it all. <laughs> 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 it's a great stance. It's a really great stance where he drops down a bit. He's like, ah, ah. It's, it's great. <laughs> But then we get one of the iconic lines, don't we? Come with me if you want to live. And then, oh, and then like, mm. one of my favourite bits of synth comes in. Oh, that's great. Isn't this when his eyebrows That's when he gets Yeah, that's he when he gets burnt. Evil. Yeah. I think it's great. Like, um, that's that's a thing that, not being as familiar as I was with the, the first one, that um, it's it's weird that they never went back and did anything with that concept. The idea that, like, the, the flesh on the Terminator might have like an expiry date or that, you know, when it gets damaged, it just starts to atrophy because, th- you know, throughout the course of the film, it just gets more and more just fucked up and sickly. And 
and you know his uh, his landlord comes by and asks him if he's got a dead cat in there. They never made any more of a deal about that, and I, I thought that's I honestly thought that was amazing. And and like you say, when you're talking about like um the the thought of it being like a horror film, imagine a a man, a giant, relentless, very strong killing machine, who's also just slowly dying while he chases you. If this was the only film in the Terminator series, do you think we would remember Sarah Connor, or is it T two Judgment Day? Yeah, I do. I do. I think I think she's really well written and rounded out in this film. Because her development is undeniable. She's the one, and that's, you just need to go to the end when Kyle's struggling. He's been shot by the Terminator, and he's struggling. And she, she knows she needs to do something, and you can see her development. He, he's given her the courage and the strength, and it's that predestination thing. Maybe she's taken it upon her mantle, but she's like, get on your feet, soldier. You know, it, she's dry, the driving force of that last, that finale. Hmm. It gets them to the final point there, and she's victorious. Yeah, we remember Sarah Connor. She's the hero, and she's fucking great. In in rewatching it, I thought that um, that moment, the kind of the on your feet soldier bit, it's it's really the the first and only instance of it. Though up until then, she's she's kind of your not quite an audience yeah, she's relaxed surrogate. She's, had she's not <laughs> she's not quite an audience surrogate character, but maybe to some extent she sort of is in that. Even when he brings home all the supplies to make plastic explosives, she's still like trying to make jokes about it. The idea is, you know, she's a relatively normal, relatable person dropped into a set of extraordinary circumstances. And that that one line, that on your feet soldier, that moment, that's the point at which you get pop culture icon Sarah uh, Sarah Connor. Because I think most people's like Sarah Connor is is Terminator Two Sarah Connor. Slightly yeah. nuts, yeah, yeah. ripped, wearing a black vest and carrying large automatic weapons. I, I will say this. Uh, I know I didn't mention anything about Terminator Dark Fate, but um, the thing that I I took umbrage with, that I think Terminator and definitely in Terminator 2 really nails, is the female characters in Dark Fate, they're not really characters. They're like facsimiles of of 80s action stars that they're, they're badass because they carry weapons they fire them and they and they win but they're not really characters and i think that's the thing that cameron definitely he, he did he's done it throughout his entire films you look at his catalog jamie lee curtis and true lies even even in aliens ripley is you know she's riddled with fear isn't she and then by the end of it she's carrying a pulse rifle and a flamethrower stay away from your bitch it's uh it's something that he, he constantly goes back to. And uh, I, I don't know whether it was by accident or by design, but he's definitely the guy who most people refer to when it comes down to delivering these sort of blockbuster, strong female characters. But I, that's that's yeah. the thing with, with what he does versus what happens to a lot of these other films where they just sort of... Um, I mean, it, it's, it's great, the idea of having, you know, a, a deeper amount of, of representation in films and stuff, but if you're not going to put the work in to actually make them characters, then you do it everyone a disservice and you can't just put somebody in a vest and then just assume that they're now a badass. Do, do you think that happens at the end? Are you not, are you not sold by her? Oh no. like the, the Sarah Connor I'm, I'm, I'm totally sold on. I just, oh, okay. But if, if, if you were going to say like, um, would she, would Sarah Connor have been the, uh, a character that people would, would kind of flock to and hold up as a, as a big pop culture icon? I don't think much like with Ellen Ripley. I don't think either of them do, unless 
you get the sequels. I don't think based on either of those first films, they're going to be the iconic characters there. But it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of a moot point because they do exist, but... I don't know. For me, I kind of do because I see her as victorious and she's come through and... Uh, mm. Oh, yeah, like, it's it's a great arc. Like, it's a it's a fantastic... And she's very good in it. I just... um, But, yeah, I, I just mean that if it's... If it's, like, pop cultural impact, I don't know whether just terminator one sarah connor ends up being a as kind of pop culture okay. icon so much of this film is iconic but the police assault by the terminator the way that this is depicted this is this is horrific Ooh. like there's no there's no fun to be had the terminator comes in and he wades through these cops and again it's just it's the, the stacking of the deck like you just immediately think well how on earth is Guy who's wearing homeless man's trousers and Sarah Connor going to defeat this unstoppable yeah. machine when he just plows through these cops. And there's a shot when one of them gets like mm. sort of blown across the yeah, room yeah. by the gunfire. And that is like, I don't know, it always it always sticks with me, that particular shot. And even the slow-mo infrared when he tracks one and shoots him in the back with a shotgun. And through the wall. It's brutal. Well. His it is really brutal. The wall, it's just, oh, I love it all. Funny enough, um, just going back to my book here, what was in the original script when he when he enters the police station was "I'll come back." So the the original line was "I'll come back." <laughs> ah, <laughs> the famous yeah. line. And um, they, they thought it was I don't know a bit more, <laughs> a bit less menacing and polite. And "I'll be back" was what they came up with because um, they just thought it was better. I'm a friend of Sierra Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. I want to wait. There's a bench over there. I'll be back. The Terminator is... is a robot and acts in such a way so like we talked about with the rotten flesh and the landlord he goes through the uh possible responses and then just does the fuck you asshole at this point i think cameron know he's kind of aware that you can give him a little bit of personality it's not much they don't go over the top there was a a thing recently wasn't there that um uh Schwarzenegger did some video interview recently where he said that um he was insistent that he should pronounce it i will be back Oh, right. And they had like this massive set. They had this, you know, this big fallout about it. And mm. then they ended up just, you know, he was like, right, fine. We'll do both takes, but we'll use mine. Because, um, <laughs> you know, Cameron's an asshole, isn't he? <laughs> it's good, though. It is a good line. This first time we hear it, it's a great line, especially with what it... Um... Did it eight more times, Patrick. <laughs> eight more times on screen. You dropped that line. I know you're dying to speak about the scene in the hotel room, Gally. So come on, let's have it. This is the one thing about the man. He's, he's a, he clearly thinks logically. He's an engineer. He's a technician. But his approach to sex scenes, having just come, and, just come from watching Titanic again, is it's a little bit melodramatic. <laughs> it's a little bit melodramatic. <laughs> I was going to ask, actually, Gally, because as the, uh, as the, as the podcast resident sex scene uh position analyst i guess 
<laughs> um, you you termed the the you you coined the phrase the slug for whatever it was that Kev was doing to poor Tara Reed last time. So um, what's your analysis? Uh, this is very eighties. It's you know it reminded me a lot of Top Gun. Uh, it's the same blue light uh, silhouetted mm. kind of two shot yeah. from from afar. It a bit, a bit nudity, There's some nipple. Um, the bit that really got me was the hand clenching and then at the moment of yeah. <laughs> post post quarter they uh, they let go of the hand <laughs> and it slow mos and I was like, Oh, this is so James Cameron. I do wonder Yeah, but at least they didn't go Eric Banner Eric Banner uh... <laughs> Oh <but> Munich <laughs> Oh Jesus <laughs> <a> giant <laughs> Interplayed with murder. A lot of sweat. Yeah, that was another that, one where you go Spielberg. That remains the, the, the gold standard. The gold that standard is... for really uncomfortable <laughs> orgasms to watch on screen. But you were right, Patrick, about um, Michael Bean's performance. I think he sells the idea that he's always been in love with Sarah. I'm not... I, it yeah, can yeah. work both ways. She either falls in love with him because of the you know the situation that we're in and it's so extraordinary that she's going to gravitate to this protector or maybe she's just like you know what i think i've worked this one out i think if i have sex with you now then uh i'll get pregnant i don't know i don't know i'm, I'm just throwing it out there just watching it again it, it's they work pretty quick she literally just says there's no women in your time and it's like none so he's never had sex, and then he has what looks like a no, great time. This is this is fantastical, and I think she's caught up. In it. it is. It's very. It's it's movie logic, isn't it? Like these people need to fuck. It is. It's, yeah. Wait. Um. I I think you you mentioned before, like you're saying that it's um, you know, there's there's some some biblical religious kind of allegory going on, but also I just think it's it's like you're saying it's like a. You know, it's like it's poetic. It's like a like a fable. You know, it's like a little closed loop of a story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's it's yeah, it's like a doomed a doomed tragic romance. Mm. And considering the the brief screen time they have to dedicate to that, because most of the screen time is dedicated to you know a chase sequence. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great that they get so much across with so little. If uh, if if you do want to. Um, have a, a kind of uncomfortable laugh though do try and seek out any of james cameron's scripts where you see his actual stage directions when he's writing what he wants the sex scene to look like because oh it's uncomfortable <laughs> really i can imagine i can imagine i mean titanic was that sex scene was tough to watch again titanic is definitely going on imagery with the hand and the on the window. But no one has sex like that, Patrick. It gets steamy, but... <laughs> no one has sex like that. Also, a lot of people have tried to work out at what angle <laughs> and whose hand that is supposed to be. I think it's, I think it's Jack's. <laughs> Kate Winslet would eat him alive. <laughs> so um, so we see that Sarah's not quite ready yet to be this um, mother of the future. She, you know, she rings her mum. We get that wonderful tracking shot that then follows the Terminator is in fact oh, that is great. impersonating her mother. And it's really done. Again, he drops these little bits of um I love you, sweetheart. Yeah, it's just great. It's really good. And then we're pretty much into the we're pretty much into the finale. So the car chases, we're not made mention of it, but we talked about John Carpenter. 
you know, there's definitely some Halloween. I was thinking Escape from New York. Escape from New York's a good show. Yeah, no, visually, I think the, the look of the film, you can definitely attribute it. Yeah, and... they're kind of really, there's really kind of inky blacks in it and stuff and they're kind of gritty street level photography. Mad Max 2, Road Warrior, just mm-hmm. the, yep. the car chases, just, just there's like five of them in the film and I think it's a really effective way of shooting an action film with very little money. And they then, you know, he ups the ante in T2 with the lorry. Because like, that's what I mean by the Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 um, analogy is, yeah. you know, he essentially does this film again, but just dialed up to 11. Trucks chasing pickup trucks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really similar. It's just, but more relentless and with a lot more carnage. The, the end factory stuff, when the endoskeleton has been burnt in the fire and we get the, the Harryhausen effects, again, I quite like it. I don't know whether it's just because I'm a bit... I've always liked... You know, I love Jason and the Argonauts. No, I like it. Kid, you, but, you, yeah. can, you can rip it. Uh, yeah. Well, that was it. Jason and the Argonauts at the time. That was when it was mind-blowing then. And it put in this situation with the, the Stan Winston creature with the stop frame. But, but when, you know, when it's dragging its feet across the corridor hmm. and it's going, you, you can look at the corridor and in HD, I think corridor, you can see there's some, the there's some scaling issues. Yeah. The frame rate is off as yeah, well. Yeah. You focus on the machine. I thought, fucking hell. You know, but I think this shot selection is very wise throughout with Cameron. If he can give it a mid shot, he he will, which is the practical. Yeah, um, it's uh, the puppet, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Where it's physical, but the physical puppet, I'd have any day over a CGI one. Mm. And well, they do the yeah. CGI. Well, it's because it's actually it's actually in the space. It's yeah. you know, it's there's there's something about like just having like the physical weight of a thing. I would always rather have like if you have to just have a guy in a suit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I would always rather have that because it's. When, it, when it's all, crawling after her through yeah. the uh, through the fact, oh, man, it's, it's a nightmare. Like yeah. I mean, the the amazing idea to give a metal skull human teeth as well. Yeah, last night when I was watching it, first time I'd ever thought like Carl Reese, just fucking calm down with your explosives. Just buy your. <laughs> he does blow his wad. <laughs> he's throwing them in that tunnel. God, is yeah, you know, you're like be careful, you're gonna run out of them. But then he does the old banana in the tailpipe. Classic. <laughs> Oh, classic. The way that he dies is it's noble, as in he sacrifices himself, but it's also kind of clumsy and goofy. I like how messy it is. I think I think it's it's like it's a des it's a desperation, like it's a desperation move. It's the only thing you can think of to do. He realized he probably realizes at that point that he is fucked anyway. So um, yeah. So by it's it's it would be one thing if it was you know the big grand noble sacrifice of like i know exactly what i'm doing and this is a big moment whereas i like that it's just sort of yeah it's just it's just dirty and messy and it and he dies but he pretty much just dies accidentally because he was too close to an exploding robot i do like that image the hydraulic press the the arm clawing at her you know how mm. you said that carl reese was his last desperate attempt and you see this terminator that that all it knows it, it's right to die in. Cameron shows that this is relentless machine yeah. trying to kill her. It's, uh, it never stops. It absolutely will not stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, and I love that she gets a bit of an eighties, you know, a finale line. You terminated, fucker. Yeah, great, you know, which is a lot mo- a lot better than just die, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's like it's it's um, it's it's like the only kind of throwaway quip 
in the whole thing. I'd, uh, one thing that I remember, and, and certainly like uh, that I noticed between the first and the second is that um, because the second, like you're saying, has so many um, would-be iconic lines, you know, they're, they're obviously, they're trying to make it very memorable and very quotable. But the first one, the dialogue in it, I mean, while it's still quite functional in terms of pulling you through the plot, um, I actually, I, I really like it. I think uh, a lot of the dialogue comes across as very believable. For the, um, certainly for the first film, um, I guess we haven't really, spoken about um gail ann hurd and and how much influence she has over mm -hmm. over these productions because she was the co-writer and producer is that right yeah. yes she was yeah especially and and also in the terminator there was another um writer who's credited as just having come up with dialogue but i don't believe that's the case in the second film is that right it, it clearly he puts a lot of importance on the Oh, no, it is. Sorry, it's uh, William Wisher. Yeah, written and directed by James Cameron. Yeah. Even though you and I, and Patrick, we all know that there's, there's, he, there are always other collaborators involved in these projects. But for, you know, in order to sell the film and also in order to sell this idea that he is just this auteur genius, which I do think he is. But so, but but we also turd. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like uh, it's like <laughs> I know that he can. He's clearly got a reputation on set as being quite a an abrasive kind of character. High aliens. He's got high standards. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, he, he says he knows every asset of everyone's department. Absolutely. That, yeah. that was what. That's what everyone always says about him. And uh, it's like Wesley Mantooth in Anchorman. You know, I don't like you, but damn, I respect you. <laughs> <laughs> it's that same. Th it's that same thing with uh, James Cameron. I've, I don't want to sound like some fanboy because I think as I've gotten older and realised that people have got agency and it's not just all about you. You know, the Kubrick way of things and and the Cameron way of things is not necessarily the way. Well, like the William Friedkin way of things, which is to smack somebody in the face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, right before. Right before a take, he gets results, doesn't he? He makes really good popcorn films that have stood the test of time. Certainly this, Aliens, yeah. T2. I still think True Lies is great. Um, he just seems to make films that people want to go back to the cinema. You know, like his, his hit rate of films that people freely go back to the cinema to see over and over again. You know, the only interestingly, the only one that I cannot fathom a modicum of uh, support for is Avatar. Seen it once, could... Don't want to see it again. No, I, I've honestly that got film, not, that film made its money on repeat viewing. I know, people went I know, back. but I they they were like, we want to be in that world, and yeah, yeah but I, I I don't. It was the one film that I had very little connection to. Enjoyed it. Thought the effects were great, but Fern Gully, yeah, yeah, Fern Gully, Pocahontas, Dancing with the Wolves. It was all of those. There's a film I I quite like Avatar. I think it's really well made, and it's really really entertaining box office. Uh, blockbuster fair, genuinely. Mm. I know the story is a little loose and familiar and unoriginal, but uh, everything else is original and really. That, that's I think it's really impressive, Avatar, in that respect. So, Devlin, Patrick, would you recommend The Terminator? Well, I'm asking you first. I want you to lead this. You tell okay. us like why you picked it. You know, as it stood the test of time from your first viewing. I really do recommend going back to The Terminator, especially in light of the current or the recent film kind of really badly failing and the reputation now being that, you know, the Terminator franchise is dead and da da da. da. Listen, I am quite happy to remove 
three, four, five, and God, I can't believe they got to six. Uh, and just say, you know what? Watch one and watch one and two, and watch one. You know, I didn't watch uh, in in order, and I wish I kind of had because I would love to have had the experience that you described, Patrick, that Melissa had, where. You know, I would love to have had that experience, and and hopefully there will be a film that will grab grab me. But all the elements in this film, they're just they're my jam. You know, I love sci-fi, I love action films. I just think this film still does stand the test of time. I know some of the effects can be a bit hokey. It's so linear. There's no fat on this film. It's it's a chase movie, exposition, characters, villain that you believe is actually unstoppable and will succeed yeah i i love the terminator i think it's really 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 good and uh, i hope that everybody uh who's listening who's not seen it in a long time goes back and watches it because i think um yeah there's plenty to mine from it what about you patrick similar i very positive about this and i really enjoyed going back and watching it i i when i went back i watched them all in order then I went back to terminator and it just highlighted that um the, the others just miss the point of Terminator. I think, yes, we've spoken about the blockbuster of Terminator 2, but it's still quite a contained film. You know, the others are so much, they're trying to be flashy and big and expansive, but they're just missing that low-tech uh, contained film and mach- animal that the Terminator films work best in, I think, that containment way. And going back and watching it, I, I just think it's brilliant. I'm still wowed by the visuals. I'm still wowed by the storytelling. I'm wowed by the the horror and the the, ins- the insanity of this plot that completely works and hooks me. Um, I wish I had these same. I wish I had that experience too. You know, I, I watched Terminator Two first and then this one. But I love Arnie. I think this is the Arnie film. Uh, this and Terminator Two, I'll, I'll say. And I definitely recommend it. And if I can recommend and find people that don't haven't yet seen them, I'd love to, to hear them watch one, then two, without knowing that we'll call it a twist in in role, role reversal. Because it's, I, I think it's I think it's genius and brilliantly done. Um, and Devlin, your turn. Um, I, I there's not much more to add. Um, I I think you're absolutely right. Uh. I was less, way, way, way less familiar with with the Terminator than than um, than Terminator Two. Um, watching it again after you chose it, uh, it had been a while. Well, yeah, the last time we watched it was when we were together, but it was on a seven film marathon, so it's not. Really, oh, wasn't it like eight a.m.? It was. Yeah, it was. It was getting a little tricky to to focus, and there's. I think we've talked quite a lot about it as a franchise because they have franchised it to death or potentially literally now. And what's weird is going back and just watching this film as a little standalone, extremely efficient, extremely Mm, brutal, extremely um, effective uh, thriller, sci-fi horror chase movie. Um, There's, there's no fat on it. It's it's ironically enough like it's put together with almost like machine like uh, single mindedness in that it, it knows exactly what kind of um, uh, effect it wants to have on the audience and it knows how to get there and that's that's like you were saying it's just down to a, an extremely talented 
filmmaker or a group of extremely talented filmmakers. It's like it's really well crafted. Uh, Terminator Two is is fantastic, spectacular in every possible sense. After that, there's honestly not much to recommend any of the others at all. But just going back and watching Terminator, the Terminator, as just a standalone viewing experience is is great and. I would say that I've developed a, a whole kind of, I would say like a deeper level of appreciation for it from having watched it a couple of times recently. Um, I, just, I just think it's fantastic. And I've really enjoyed uh, talking about it, guys. But that leads me to ask Devlin, who is next, what film are we going to review next? We've actually spoken about the director of this film. During the course, oh, Joe Dante, Joe Dante, Joe Dante. during the course of this discussion. Uh, and it, I would say, is um, uh, uh, one of one of certainly my favorite filmmakers of all time. One of my absolute filmmaking heroes. We're talking about a John Carpenter movie. Oh, of course. Um, we might not. However, I'm going to put a little however on it. Um, we're going to talk about Chevy Chase's Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Oh wow! Well, you know what? Very apt as well. Hasn't the trailer just dropped for the Blumhouse? It has, yeah, Lee, uh, uh, Lee Wano, and it and it looks great. But yeah, I'll I'll tell you why next time. But there's yeah. there's reasons. I've never seen it. Well, well oh, this is well, great. Well. I, I look. I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna watch every Invisible great. Man film, including Hollow Man, in preparation oh, <laughs> kevin bacon's see-through dick yeah well hey you, you know what i keep oh. saying we need to see more dicks the ratio is totally askew so yeah good lord but just to say uh, just to say as well if you want to watch terminator so you can watch it with us it's currently on netflix isn't it it is it on is. netflix and yes and the it's funny enough, it's not on now tv but the other films are on now tv yes so literally what, every other terminator movie is, is on sky yeah. that was a really good pick gally thank you um i really enjoyed talking about it i didn't quite enjoy talking about the franchise which i wasn't expecting so that was really cool as well and um give me your address dear <laughs> <laughs> for me it's wash day tomorrow so no clean clothes it's uh gally in glasgow signing out and uh you're not my mother todd it's definitely in london <laughs> and patrick in london yeah i already said bye cheers bye. we'll see you later and we'll catch you next time on the rewind movie podcast thanks for listening you got-